0: Welcome to Ottawa Valley Vineyard, where we simply want to help you encounter Jesus, be transformed, and share his love. Yeah, so we've been looking at the book of 1 Peter, uh, kind of imagining that we're a people in exile to a certain degree, that we're people who are in a little bit of a different place, in a little bit of a strange place. We've been uh, displaced by COVID. Uh, We aren't able to meet together as we normally might. Uh, We find all of our relationships um, stressed and strained. Uh, We find that we're missing people that we love and we're uh, not able to connect with them as much as we would like. So there's a a wrestle there, there's a challenge there as we uh, look towards how uh, to live in the middle of this uh, crazy time. And also in the middle of it, of course, we are under maybe a little bit of a heavier hand uh, in terms of uh, government oversight than we might normally be. The government is uh, telling us what to do, and we're following uh, the government. A little bit more closely in the news and on social media and we're paying attention to when will the next restrictions come and will they come and what do they mean for me what do they mean for my Thanksgiving dinner what do they mean for my family and so this is a very very strange time when we're living a little bit differently and in many ways that feels a lot probably uh, although you know sort of kind of like uh, developing world problems it feels a little bit like what it probably felt like for the believers in Peter's time who were trying to live out their values uh, in a different way than the people that they were serving and that they were connecting with and that they were relating to uh, in, in that time. They were living out their values in a way that um, they were underneath authorities that may or may not have shared their values. Uh, This whole Christian worldview uh, developing inside of them, beginning to be like Christ and see things like Christ in the middle of a very, very pagan world. And we are getting closer and closer to that in our society. We no longer have a place where Christianity is thriving and on top, and Christian values sort of may dominate or at least have some place in our parliamentary systems and in our bureaucracies and all of that. Uh, Christianity is a smaller factor in all of the decision-making Uh, than it ever has been in in recent memory. And so the question is, how do we live in relationship to governing authorities? And we look to uh, this incredible book, 1 Peter, written to the churches in Asia Minor, uh, for some wisdom on that question. Uh, The first thing I want to sort of notice and think about is that, you know, as as people, we tend to attach our identity uh, to authorities whose values are most closely uh, aligned with our own. And we tend to reject the others. So we tend to connect with people that we like, or the people that are like us, or leaders that we like, leaders that are like us, and those that aren't like us, we push to the side and more than just liking or not liking and those sorts of things, it's actually for many of us, an identity question for many of us, it impacts how we dress, what we wear, uh, sort of the way we present ourselves. We play a little game for a second and ask uh, this little game show question. uh, How would you be perceived if you drive a Tesla or a Prius, you look like a... Probably a liberal. Yeah, if you drive a pickup truck, you look like a... Shut it up, boys. Yeah, if you shop at the Gap, you look like a kind of a liberal i think it's kind of iffy yeah banana republic i don't know (laughs) what's the gap right yeah exactly if you shop at cabela's you look like a oh definitely hardcore conservative right if you wear skinny jeans and hemp shirts you look like matt uh (laughs) no you look like a liberal okay um if you uh, wear jeans that humans can wear and plaid conservative right yeah so it's it's sort of obvious you listen to cbc2 you are a liberal. If you listen to Country 101, you probably look like a conservative, right? If you drink kombucha with a metal straw, you are looking like a liberal. If you uh, drink anything with two cream, two sugar, you are a conservative, right? If you have no objection to wearing a mask or default and you follow the medical officer of health on Facebook, you probably look like a liberal. If you think NASA faked the moon landing, the earth is flat, and that Justin Trudeau is part of the deep state, you are, (laughs) right? You know, so it's like these different things that are sort of, we sort of wear on our sleeves that are kind of our, 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 identity pieces. People actually look at everything we do and see it to some degree, see us through a political lens. They see us that way. And, and certainly looking across the border to our friends in the States, there's an incredible, uh, polarization that's going on, um, Everything is political uh, there. Everything is about uh, whether you are a conservative, whether you are a liberal. There's just this massive, massive divide. And it's an incredible challenge. But the reason for that divide, I mean, and so see, I'll just look at this from a whole bunch of different perspectives. But when you boil it right down to why there is such a divide between this person, that person, all across the spectrum, is that wherever you are at, whoever you are as a person, you want to get power to get what you want. And that's a fundamental thing that sort of drives us as humans. We want to get people like us in power so they can give us the stuff that we want. We fight for or align with those who seem like they are for us because of what they can give to us. We align with those who seem like they're for us because of what they can give to us. Now, I want to go back to our text and see what First Peter is saying to the believers who were probably in that space and time wrestling uh, with that, looking for allies, looking for somebody to protect them in an incredibly uh, difficult situation where they were absolutely deep, deep under the thumb of authorities. Not, not, we're not nearly in that bad of a situation, but they're wrestling with this same question. And this is Peter's solution. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him, that should probably make us really uncomfortable. If we're wired like most of the people in our culture, and our society, uh, with most of the Christians in our society, um, all of a sudden, the idea that um, it's not about whether authorities are for us and about what they can give to us. If it's not about that, and it's about this different way of living, then we are probably feeling some tension as we read scriptures like that. So it's not about if authorities are for us and what they can give to us. It is about the place we give to them and the God that we do that for. That's a pretty radical shift in posture for us. That word be subject is to place yourself like to objectively take yourself from one place and put yourself in another place good morning from conservative saskatchewan and my cousin evan who's watching right that's a, a huge huge challenge for us to put ourselves in a certain place and, and this is, just, I mean, I'm just telling you what the text is telling us. And this goes against everything uh, in us. This goes against the grain of what we feel like we need to do and who we feel like we need to be in our society. But this is what the text is telling us. Place yourself under every human institution, but you're not doing it for those human institutions. You're doing it for him. Now, the big question uh, that is there is, why? Why does this make sense? Why should our objective not be to just grasp for whatever power we can to make the government do the things we want it to do? Why is that not our primary mode of being? Well, Peter knows that the people are going to ask that question, and he answers it like this. He says, first, for this is the will of God. Like, dang, that's like the trump card. Like, that is like, well, God's will? Like, what am I supposed to say to that? How am I supposed to answer that? He's not saying it's, yeah, it's like a temporary measure under these extreme and difficult situations. Uh, He says, this is the will of God. And he explains it, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Uh, In that day, and I think more and more in our day, Christianity is perceived as a destructive force in society. Uh, We see all kinds of different um, things that Christians do um, that some, I think, would be actually legitimate, um, you know, like legitimate statements uh, wrestling with, hey, why is... Uh, the government doing this? Why is the government saying this? Asking those legitimate questions and challenging in a good and healthy way. Uh, But there are ways in which Christians behave that are perceived as making us a threat to our culture and our society. And if you listen to anything, in terms of listening to like the high-level atheist uh, people who are really doing a little bit of an actual, like a mission to sort of tear Christianity down. If you're looking at some of the stuff that's going on in the universities and all of that, uh, the argument is is that if you look at the wars, if you look at competition, if you look at all of the destruction, we're just going to blame Christians for all of that. And we're going to put that on them so that we're sort of absolving ourselves. And we've got scapegoats for what's going on in our culture. And Of course, there's arguments uh, on the other side of that. There's ways to wrestle that down. Uh, But the reality is is that apart from all of those arguments and all the intellectual side of dealing with that, uh, he wants us, and Peter is saying God wants us, to correct that perception by living in a way that is as servants to our society rather than grasping for power in it. What he's saying is, he wants to correct that perception. What he really wants is that when people see us, Jesus doesn't want them to see our issues. Jesus doesn't want them to see our pet issues. Jesus doesn't want them to see uh, the pet things that we hold on to that feel like they're ultimately really, really important to us. He wants people to see him. That's the primary goal for us as humans, is to be reflectors of the glory of Jesus, reflectors of the personality and the character of Jesus. As We are called to display who he is, and that trumps um, our need to uh, really uh, stand out on any given issue. The primary issue we are to stand out on is, is our character, is our personality, is our way of being, is our way of living consistent with the way that Jesus lived and he goes on to say live as people who are free so wait how do we do this we live as servants of our culture we live uh, subject to the authorities around us but yet he's telling us somehow to live as people who are free not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil but living as servants of God and he's saying honor everyone love the family of believers or love the brotherhood fear god honor the emperor honor the liberal government honor justin trudeau honor trump honor uh the 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 queen like what what are you talking about how would we give honor to these sort of secular uh disconnected from god entities that are in authority over us. What does it mean? I mean, there's a whole sermon just in verse 17. Honor everyone, love the family, believers, fear God, honor the emperor. Those are all different words for all distinct reasons. We're not going to get into it. But as to the issue of freedom, what he's saying is we are not to be people who are intentionally just grasping constantly for the things that we want. Are we animals or are we people? And if we are animals, like we had the kids uh, looking at the pigs at the uh, in or at the um, Progressive Harvest Party uh, this weekend, um, you know, pigs they they don't have any thought for anything other than what they can put inside themselves and what they can eat, what they can consume. There is not a giving, generous, self-sacrificial heart in the heart of a pig, even though, as Simon told all the children, that the pigs are. Uh, at least as intelligent as a three-year-old those pigs don't have anything in them they're not free to decide what they do if you put something in front of a pig that smells like something they want to eat they will take it into themselves and they will consume it and they will consume it swiftly because they're driven by their programming their programming binds them to certain activities and you can get them to go places by touching the buttons that cause that programming to operate. That's how you deal with a pig. What he's saying here is that we are to be free. We are to be radically different from that. Now, all of our society tells us that we should be completely driven by our desires and our instincts, and politicians often play to that. They play to our basest desires. And what Peter is saying, we need to radically live above that. We need to live in a way where we are choosing to serve, and we are choosing who we serve for, and choosing our allegiances, according to his will. We have the freedom to that. Uh, And in particular, that freedom is not to be driven by self. Freedom in exile is about freedom from self. It's about freedom from that drive, that animalistic drive to just fight for power for the things we want. All of the time it's about being free enough to submit to authorities for Jesus now that's challenging uh, we don't like that I don't like that idea of being submitted to anyone I love my autonomy I love my freedom I love my authority and I don't want to consider authorities or anybody else in it I like to jaywalk uh, just to say that I can whatever it is um, but but that's just those are those are little issues. that's that's nothing. But what if we are living in a society where in in a very real way, in very many instances, what if our authorities really suck? Like what if our authorities are terrible? What if the leadership is bad? And Peter knows that the people are going to ask him this question next. Submit yourselves to the authorities because uh, it's the will of God. Uh, use your freedom uh, for God's purpose, not your own purpose. Well, under that, what if our authorities really stink? And so he answers the question this way. He says, servants, be subject to your masters with all respect. And that's with all honor, with all deference. But not only to the good and gentle ones, but also to the unjust. And that word, unjust, is not just like, a little bit unfair like they pay somebody a little more than they pay you and wage parity isn't a th- wage parity isn't a thing this is like that word unjust is scolios which is where we get scoliosis like scoliosis of the spine it is bent twisted warped and perverse servants be subject to your masters with all respect not only to the good and gentle but also to the twisted and perverse Holy smokes, what are you calling us to here, God? What are you calling us to? What is this text saying to me? This is crazy. I do not like the sound of it. But this is what it says. Listen, honor and respect, even to the perverse leaders over us. That is challenging. For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. That word, it is a gracious thing, means it is a charis. It's where we get the word grace. We are giving our society, we are giving our culture, we are giving unjust, twisted leaders we are giving them grace. It's where we get charismatic gifts, the gifts of the Spirit. We are gifting grace to our society. We are doing a gifted thing when, if we're mindful of God, we endure sorrows while suffering unjustly. Do we want to give our society Do we want to give God that kind of gift? Do we want to be people of that much grace? It's challenging for us. Uh, Suffering mindful of God though, is so much better than suffering when we're mindful of self, right? Uh, He goes on, he unpacks this for us. Uh, Verse 20, for what credit is it if when you sin, you're beaten for it, you endure? Like if you suffer for being a moron, then it's just justice that you endure some suffering for that. That's just there's not nothing to your credit for doing that. But if you suffer for doing good under difficult leadership, that's a gracious thing in the sight of God. If you suffer for doing good, that is a gift in the sight of God. And that is to your credit. That gift that you give, that grace that you give to your unjust leaders is actually credited to you. That's the real credit, not getting your leaders to do the stuff you want for them. You want God's credit, not their credit. Uh, looking, I mean, this is just this tiny, tiny issue, but it's present to us in our culture, uh, looking at sources of the outbreak um, in the city of Ottawa, this news report that came out last week, because everyone want to say like bar owners and restaurant owners were up in arms, like you shut us down, but we can't see that many outbreaks came for us. Well, what about churches? If you look at um, religious ceremonies and religious services, only 1% of the COVID outbreaks are attributed to us to Christians, to believers gathering. And it seems unjust for us to be under such heavy restrictions when we've actually done good in this, when we've actually done really well in this, when we've actually been really obedient and we've been really carefully subject to the authorities. Uh, So little of the trouble is coming for us that these restrictions probably shouldn't be on us. It's not necessarily just for the church to be under such heavy restrictions in this time, but to endure these restrictions quietly in respectful submission and mindful of God, whether or not those restrictions are warranted, that's to our credit and it's for his glory the the opposite situation would be worse is what the scripture is telling us. is What if we were ignoring all of the restrictions and all of the authorities and we were passionately dogmatic that we were going to meet, we were going to meet together, we were going to meet together without masks, we were going to sing our hearts out. That would be an awesome experience. Uh, we crave it, we long for it, we want that desperately to be what is happening with us on Sunday mornings. But we would not be representing the servant heart of Jesus in doing that and it is more important for us to represent the heart of Jesus than it is for us to have our freedoms and the question is how do we find meaning in all of that where's the meaning where is the uh, benefit where is the uh, sense of connection with God and his purpose what's he, what's he really calling us to in this Peter answers this question Where's the ultimate meaning for this, to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. We do this, we lay down some of our freedoms in this space and in this time because that's what we saw Jesus do. That's what we saw him do, and we simply want to be like him. And this is a crazy, radical uh, way of thinking and a way of being that was so evident in the early church. Uh, Listen to this in Philippians 3.10. I want to know him. I just want to know Jesus. I want to know the power of his resurrection, and just as much, I want to know the fellowship of his suffering. I just want to be with him in that. I want to enjoy that with him I want the fellowship of life sucking because some of Jesus's life sucked so I want to share that with him this is not how we think Uh, looking at Acts chapter 5 verse 41 they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy worthy to suffer dishonor for the name oh thank the Lord I am worthy to be dishonored that's awesome Right? That's crazy thinking. That is not how we're wired. But the early Christians were so in love with Jesus that they wanted every part of their lives to be like him. Their imitation was the sincerest form of flattery, their imitation was worship. Early disciples wanted to be like him in every way now here's a question for us do we want our christianity to be such that we can be like him just in some comfortable ways it's challenging it's challenging our desire for comfort it's challenging our desire uh, for our own freedom it's challenging our desire to have our way but it says that there is meaning for us There is value for us simply in identifying with Christ. And I'm teaching all of this, and I'm emphasizing all of this in a situation that isn't that bad. But it is entirely possible that in the decades to come, our situation could be much more like uh, that of the people living under persecution in the Roman Empire. And we don't know, and I'm not a prognosticator. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. I'm not really a doom and gloom kind of guy. But we as Christians have to be able to understand that Christianity is meant to thrive, whether we're at the top or whether we're at the bottom. That our way of being has to be coupled to him. Our identity has to be in him, not in Are we conservative? Are we liberal? Or all of those identifiers that exist outside of Christ. It says this about him. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. He was so secure in the face of all kinds of lies being told about him, all kinds of injustices. He, he didn't need to, to shout back. He didn't need to tweet back. He didn't need to argue on social media. He let that stuff hang, sometimes asked insightful questions, but he didn't threaten. Freedom for us is knowing that we have security in him, even when we've been misjudged. And it says he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He continued in entrusting himself. He trusted in the justice and the opinions and the perceptions of his father more than he trusted in the opinions of his culture. True meaning and security is found in trusting God's justice, not grasping for justice for ourselves. And we see this uh, observation about him in Philippians and this is Paul writing now uh, Paul talking about uh, what he saw and what early Christians told him about how Jesus was and this is how Jesus presented himself though he was in very nature God he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death, on a cross. He did not count elevation, equality, power, position, as something to be grasped. He emptied himself. He became a servant and that Jesus that lived that way. That's the Jesus that we want our society to know. That's who we want our friends and neighbors to see in us. And we're not seeing Christians be like this in our culture right now we're certainly not seeing this happen in evangelicalism we're certainly not seeing this happen in the political sphere we're seeing Christians grasping and crying and wailing for power and we are not showing our culture the Jesus who laid his life down for them Becoming obedient, even, to crucifixion. This is a radical way of being that Jesus showed us. He did not play the game to get power. He did not play the game to win. Everything we see about the way he lived is it looks exactly like he was playing the game to lose And lose big they were ready to crown him they were ready to ride him into the city they were ready to uh, place him as a leader over them that he could kick the Romans out of Jerusalem and he quietly slunk away and prepared for the cross and while in every way it looks from the outside like he lost He was playing a completely different game. There was only one thing that he wanted to win. The only thing that he won was you. The only thing that he won was me. He saved us from our sin. And to him... He won everything. He won you. He won your heart. He won freedom, true freedom for you. Freedom that is independent of any political positioning and power. He won you freedom It is eternal. That is forever. And if we want to model him. And we want to be like him. We need to play the same game. We need to win our society for Jesus. His way. Not to use power and position. To dominate so that we get our way. We have to do this his way by offering our bodies as living sacrifices, by laying down our lives for our friends. And this is all through the teaching of Jesus, of through Paul, through Peter, greater love has no one than this and that he lays down his life for his friends. John 3 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. The way to freedom, the way to life is through surrender. So as we submit ourselves to authorities for Christ, we find out that he has freed us from sin, he has freed us from self, and we now have true freedom for the church to be who it is called to be, who we are called to be. So that's the call for us to keep our identity and our allegiance firmly anchored in Christ. And that's where the freedom is. And that can happen under COVID restrictions. That can happen uh, as the church persecuted in China. That can happen where Christians are being murdered in Nigeria. That can happen uh, everywhere. Because he has showed us how, and we follow him. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, this is a this is a hard word for those of us who are competitive, for those of us who love power, for those of us who love our strength, for those of us who love our toys, uh, for those of us who love our property, for those of us who love our autonomy, for those of us who love our own authority, uh, to see ourselves as... Uh, submitted to authorities for you so that you are given glory so that we are showing who you are more than getting what we want would you just show us how to be disciples like that would you show us how to live as servants would you show us how to be radically generous with our lives Would you show us how to position ourselves in the middle of uh, political insanity, of uh, riots and shouting and media insanity? Would you show us how to have a posture that radically presents the personality of Christ in the midst of the chaos? Let us be witnesses in every way. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And listen, for you, if you're here and if you're listening, if you're uh, connecting with us a little bit and you've not seen Jesus as someone who died for you and you've not known that He is someone who gave His life for you to set you free from sin and death, then I invite you to ask those questions and begin to seek Jesus. Begin to seek His love. Begin to seek friendship with Him. Begin to give your heart, give your life. Begin to follow. Uh, He loves you, and He's going to lead you so much better than any of our rulers, any of our authorities. Your heart has to be along to Him. And then you have no problem living and serving in our society, no matter what happens to you but our hearts must belong to him. Encourage you to give your life to Jesus today. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of Ottawa Valley Vineyard, visit ovv.ca.